This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Well, a distinct sense of deja vu in many regards with what we're going through, but we are talking today about how we remobilize ourselves, revitalize ourselves, and re-equip ourselves with totally illogical logic about not going out, go to school, don't go to school, be at school, don't see your friends, see your friends, please don't see your friends, be a parent, don't be a parent, be a parent, don't be a parent, go to work, stay at home, get a bus, don't get a bus. Oh, overwhelming the NHS, overwhelming the NHS. Are you confused? I'm bloody confused. All these things were just wash, washing over us and have done almost for a year now. When the mm-hmm. girls said it's, what is it? March in four months. March in four months. Um, very testing time for all of us, but we want to focus a bit. We wanted to focus a bit more mm. on on how it's how the kids are feeling. So what I would do now is I would hit play, not hit play. Yes. Put your headphones in. Don't put your if headphones you can hit in. Hit play from home. Then go, fine. Go for a walk. Don't go for a walk. Listen to us on a tube, but you can't get a tube. Marvelous. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is the first day of lockdown numero due. Lockdown 2.0. Yeah. I can't actually believe it. It's, um, and it's sort of, it's kicked off already this morning. I don't know if anyone sort of looked at the news on the first day of lockdown. It's kicked off with a whimpering fizzle of nothing, mm. really, because... It doesn't feel like there's any... I, I don't know why. I think I was wait, expecting to wake up and, and feel a sense of sort of The Walking Dead or 28 Days Later. Well, I suppose like last time when there wasn't a soul out. Yeah. Um, well, but, of course, it is very much here. You know, all the shops, cafes, bars, restaurants will close down again. Absolutely just just devastating for so many But businesses. schools, universities and yeah. colleges are all open. But also I was thinking today about all the children of those people that have had to shut down their business again mm. and all the conversations those children will mm. be hearing, children and, and young adults, that mm. well, they'll be hearing. So not only have they been locked down and locked away from their friends, except they can still go to school, but also the enormous stress of being around your stressed and worried parents. So And vice versa. So really, this yeah. is a conversation, guys, about how to parent through a second lockdown, but also what teenagers, young adults and children are really feeling mm. about this. So it's coming from both perspectives. We're going to yeah. hear from teenagers and you're going to, we're obviously going to hear from on social media from parents. But it's like, how do we... What reservoirs of strength, knowledge, expertise and experience are we going to be dipping into to get us through the next four weeks mm. when I would say that there is a fatigue that has crept into everyone, Mm. not just a fatigue around doing what we are being asked to do, but a fatigue around ourselves, our own mental health, our own energy. We feel depleted. And I think the problem, because there's... With with the first lockdown, it was so shocking. I mean, I can still tap back into how scared I was at that time and how desperate I was to do whatever I could... (sighs) to stop this thing, whatever this thing was, this alien being. It felt to me at the beginning of the first lockdown. How can I protect my family? How can we just put an end to this so to keep the world safe? And, of course, we, for the most part, everyone stuck completely to the rules with the first lockdown. I think it all went tits up when Dominic Cummings... The noises in the background are a fully functioning uh, family household in lockdown. Exactly. We would usually do this in the studio, but we can't, so that's the toilet flushing upstairs. And now that's the dog. Yeah, and it was all, and I think largely people were sticking to the rules until Dominic Cummings broke the rules, and then I really felt that people kind of gave, started to give up. Yeah. Problem is with this lockdown, and whether you're a parent or whether you're a young person, is that I think all of us feel a bit hopeless about it. It feels really late, even our own girls say. But what about the circuit breaker that could have happened at half term? Mm. When people were off school, that. you know. So there's a there's a kind of there's a there's an anger yeah. towards the government and what seemingly seems to be decisions that are made on the hoof and and made too late, just like the first lockdown. So there's a lot of dissent, I think, just generally. Feelings of dissent. But can I just say, right. just, just to, can I just add to that thought? Because I think for a lot of people, the dilemma we find ourselves in, and from what I see on social media and from conversations I have online and what have you, 
For some people, it's a very simple situation. Mm. The government says don't do this, therefore don't do it. Mm. And, and ostensibly, that is how, in a sense, we need or should be operating. The problem that's crept in is that there have been so many blindingly obvious examples mm. of ineptitude, mm. a breaking of rules, a one set of rules for us and a different set of rules for you, i.e. the Dominic Cummings thing, uh, an inconsistency in the science, an inconsistency in policy, mm. um, a sort of <clears throat> lack of detailed knowledge about the real day-to-day microscopic impact that this disease has in everyone's lives mm. from different perspectives, an unwillingness between generations and different cultural groups to observe how difficult this is for other age groups. So within that, I'm sort of even including the fact that I said to my mum the other day, it's sad, isn't it, the way we kind of now just lumping old people as old people rather than the individuals within that group of old people. But obviously, our obsession in this conversation is with youngsters because it's confessions of a modern parent. Equally, we vilify, villainize, and kind of, you know, make young people feel like they're just one thing too. And I think this is the problem. We're being asked to forget our individuality. We're being asked to not have this thing on our head, which is called a brain, to question things. We've mm. gone with it once, we've gone with it twice, mm. but we're being asked, I think, once too many times. And, that's and I think fit. the problem with it, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there, there doesn't seem to be any room for debate. No. And there is, you know, there's a growing um, school of people, group of people scientists, epidemiologists, all kinds of people saying, hang on a minute, we'd like a different conversation about this. And obviously, parents, children, we're seeing this kind of, we're seeing this going on, whether it's on news or online. And so it's brought up a lot of questions. So it's not just a case of, oh, the government's told you to do this and now just do it. And also in everyone's individual lives, sorry to interrupt, but also, you know, in everyone's individual nuanced lives, there are blindingly obvious contradictions that are very yeah. hard to square yeah. for everyone. Yeah, and that's definitely come through with some of the comments that yeah. we've had from yeah. um, from the young people that have got in touch with us, because I put out a call... <laughs> the on young people. Young people. people. You young people. We the love the fact. People. Well, we love the fact that a lot of young people do listen to this. I think yeah. originally, before we were in lockdown, I think young people used to listen to this to get the inside track on what parents really feel, what yeah. parents are actually worried about. Uh, not to kind of, like, you know, wrong footers, but, it, you know, knowing your enemy, if you like, is really good. You know, forewarned is forearmed, so better to get an inside track on what is really going on in the brains of parents, because that's what these conversations are about. This is an opportunity for us conf- to confess mm how we really feel. And, and how we struggle and we don't yeah. always have this, the right answers. And but I, it's been such a happy um, realisation that so many young people do actually listen to yeah. this podcast and are now um, contributing more and more. And I actually put a call out on my uh, Instagram um, a couple of days ago and we've had so many... Because yeah, I, so I actually many. just said, do you know what? We do hear about the elderly, we do hear about the vulnerable, we do hear about you know, job losses and all of the horrors that are going on. But I have never heard the government discuss how this is impacting on young people, yeah. on teens. So we really did want but, to dedicate this this podcast to your voice and and also for you to hear how as parents we are we are trying to find our way. We're navigating our way through a totally new unprecedented uh, situation. But when you said this, I mean, I remember something you said when you, you suggested this as an idea for, for this chat, this podcast. You said at one point a really, I thought, important line, which you said, I'd like just one hour of not worrying about the 360 degree scale of the problem. What I mean by 360 degrees is the all-encompassing from all angles, constantly managing it all from all perspectives for all of our kids. And when you said that, I thought, yeah, it, it would be, because nothing I'm going through, nothing one goes through as a parent, or you know, certainly we're going through as parents, is devoid of us thinking of everything through, how is this going to impact our kids? How is this mm. going to impact Maddie? How is this going to impact Kiki? And I'm thinking about it in a very different way. How is this going to impact Izzy? How is this going to impact our relationships? How is this going to impact Fleur? And when you said that, I thought, do you know what? Sometimes when we do all these conversations, we do these, these podcasts, we do a lot of lives on our social media, YouTube, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. It's really hard, and I guess this is what it's like being a proper broadcaster. It's really hard sometimes for me to actually talk honestly 
Because I'm always talking about a way that I can try and either mobilise positivity, mm. be useful, be constructive, mm. suggest a way out when I do mm. mental health chats. So, and then I thought to myself, well, hang on a minute, even when I'm talking about it, I'm not really talking about how I'm actually feeling. Mm. I'm trying to make this useful. Mm. I'm trying to mm. make this digestible, mm. listenable, consumable, <laughs> you know. And then I thought, how do I actually feel? Why, why do we never... Act- I don't know how I actually feel. I thought, I don't know how I actually feel. What? And then when I interrogated it, I thought, I cannot sell this anymore to my children. That's how I truly About feel. About the lockdown? Can't sell it. Yeah. Well, I can't sell yeah. it. I can't yeah. sell it. Uh, well, and to be honest, um, I'm. Uh, we are really encouraging the debate in this house because mm. we don't want to just be told one thing and no. not look below. Now, we're not, you know, we're not in any way condoning sort of rabid, like, no, you know, anti-masking or Oh, no, I'm not even suggesting that, that we can't, all. we don't do it. But I think everything in life, and when we're being asked to do something that's so potentially catastrophic for so many people, it's, it, 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 it's plain stupid not to look at all the different arguments. Yeah, don't get me wrong, when I, that sounds like I'm saying, kids, go out and do whatever you want. No. I'm not. What I'm saying is, I can't sit in honest possession of the arguments to justify why we all have to put our lives into complete lockdown. And what's making it very difficult for us as parents is the fact that children are still going to schools and colleges. Precisely. So that's that's where the government have tied parents' hands behind their back. They've made it impossible They've made it impossible. This is the perfect point to read this message from Joe Smith. One of um, Carlitos's friends, Carlitos, who contributes every week oh, to yeah, this podcast. Oh, yeah, let's have a listen. Joe Smith. Uh, the idea of a second lockdown doesn't feel as scary as the first one as I feel more prepared. Schools are still open, which still helps me socialise, and my friends keep up to date with my schoolwork, which is less stressful. It's a shame that things felt like somewhat normal for a bit, and now we're back to the dynamic that we started with at the beginning. So it feels a bit never-ending, and we're not going to get over the virus. Whilst I understand the rules the, government's put, the government have put in place, it's easy to question the logic behind them and for us to feel they are confused themselves. I.e., how is it OK for us to not go to restaurants for an hour, but it's fine to be in our classrooms all day? And that just puts it perfectly. That's about as simple as it needs how to be. How do we... I would like to look Boris in the eyes and say, how do I say to my girls when they're absolutely desperate to hang out with their friends, well, you can't Mm. because of the virus, but your friends can spend eight hours a day at school. Mm. I mean, again, I mean, you know, you walk down down the road and see everyone at the bus stop. It's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, my problem with the whole school thing is, is like, you know, it's become such a hot potato now. And, you know, we're homeschoolers, so we have a very different perspective on this. But... It's become such a hot potato that no one is now allowed to even suggest that schools are closed because somehow you are becoming some sort of ogre-like figure that wants to throw the fates and futures of children down the swanee. That is not the case. Homeschooling doesn't work for the vast majority of kids going to school. I've seen many comments of people going, thank God I don't have to be homeschooled. We're not talking about homeschooling as an advocacy here. We're talking about if the science is saying it's unhealthy to to do this, you can't contradict it by saying you can do this. It's either a risk or it isn't a risk. You can't pick and choose the scenarios in which it's a risk. And that is it drives me to distraction because teenagers and older sort of kids, 13, 12, 11, they're on this. They're on this. They, they, we are neutered as parents in being able to actually, yeah. actually implement the logic because there is no logic to it. I mean, I suppose what the scientists would say, and I think it's a shame that they don't, that they don't um, talk about this, is that they're trying to just reduce the virus footprint. So, yes, we would prefer to close all the schools, but we think that it's very important always that the schools are open no matter what. So we're closing down everything else so that children can go to school. But But personally, I think that's the wrong way around because I think if parents can't work and pay for their food, to put food on the table and pay the rent and mortgage, then that's extremely damaging from family life. So a three-week closure of the schools and allow you know, small companies and small businesses to stay open would actually be a better way I think I think you would be able to mobilise the support and cooperation of young people if it was categorically 
a lockdown. A proper with lockdown. With zero, yeah. zero no exceptions. We would trust the science of yeah. it. We would trust the rules of it. We wouldn't like it and we would be able to prepare for it. And we have been absolutely stymied by our, unfortunately, pick and choose the life we want to pick and choose all the bloody time in this country. The reason countries like China, Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan can do it, and then when you get to New Zealand and Iceland and places like this in Sweden, smaller populations, less population density, more control of borders, and a more, how would you put it, a sort of more deferential and sort of obliging attitude to government, gov- government and governance you know, within those countries. So in China, they can take an entire city of 9 million residents and test them all because no one will question it because you'll go to prison. Now, I'm not suggesting martial law here, but you either implement a strict lockdown or you don't do it at all. At all, exactly. Because it was starting to work. The tears were starting to work. Absolutely. Or, you do, like you say, you do a really strict lockdown. You say, this isn't going to make any difference whatsoever about the virus. We're going to come out two weeks later, the virus is going to be raging exactly the same way, but we just need to halt the 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 wave of people coming into hospitals because we can't cope yeah. with it. Yeah. Because we only have six... Um, ICU beds per 100,000 yeah. people because actually we've run the NHS down so yeah. far that we're in a mess with the NHS. Be honest, mm. and I think you might get people more on your side. And I think, you know, going back to what the subject of this is, is being parents in a second lockdown, how to parent. We've talked lots about all of the mental health issues, da 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 da, da across many other conversations in this series of chats. So just go back to them and listen to them. But, you know, obviously what we're going to be facing here is we're facing the same challenges again, mm. Uh, many of them haven't changed because this is just, you know, we're just that much time further on, aren't we? And we're just, you know, but they're becoming compounded. But I do actually think, uh, part of me really worries from a mental health perspective, that this half-baked, slightly delayed, ineffective, wishy-washy sort of implementation of something that looking out of our front door clearly hasn't even happened, is going to make our lives imponderably difficult as parents because we're not going to be able to implement it. Our children don't respect the government. Our children don't want to, won't respect us trying to kind of implement something that's unimplementable in the first place. And yet at the same time, is going to compound mental health crises for young children and parents even more. I feel really, I can't believe after, yeah. this is how I actually feel rather yeah. than trying to be kind of rational about the whole bloody yeah. thing. It feels impossible. Well, I mean, what we've done is we've said to the kids, we've got to do this. It's the law. They made it the law. So we've all got to stay in. Oh, yeah, we're all, we've got we're to observe do, yeah. the flaming rules. We don't actually believe in them, but we have to observe them. You yeah. have to observe but, well, them. OK, well, what I and, would say is almost as a top tip, though, for parents who are feeling, because I think a lot of people are feeling like me, what I am trying to do with the girls is not in say to them, you have to observe the rules, you have to observe the law, this is the law, this is what happens. But by hopefully allowing them some to justification be to yeah. be angry or to question yeah. the logic. Well, or that's to, what I was going to say. Embrace we, the we, we, contradictions. We have said to the girls, you know, we have to do this. But we've also said, let's have a look around at what other people are saying and yeah. what other scientists are saying and, and, and actually raging with them. I mean, we raged quite a lot with them yesterday, didn't we, yeah. about how ridiculous that's the whole thing cathartic. feels. Because to just say, listen, you've just got to observe the rules and, however, and, and don't even talk about it, I think is very frustrating for yeah. them. Yeah. So my, if I had... I mean, God, I'm no perfect bloody parent, nowhere near, you know. God, I make mistakes every single day. But one thing I do think that we get right is we do sit and actually really talk about how they feel. And I think that mm. it's really important to ask how they feel, set a bit of time aside and actually listen to them and actually also voice your own frustrations with it. You know, not just pretend everything's fine because they pick up on it anyway. They're not stupid. Can I also just give a bit of a shout out? We're very lucky. We have a big house, We, you know, and we have sort of space between us all and all that mm. kind of stuff. And we're very sort of, you know, in touch with our emotions and all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to sort of draw some listeners' mm. attention to the fact that we are acutely aware of our sort of luxuries. Mm. Um, because if I think back to when I was a child and if I think back to, say, the house that I was in when I was, you mm. know, 12, 13 with my head in a cupboard and my feet out the door because my room was so small and how there was absolutely nowhere to escape Happy my mum's partner mm. and, and, and then I couldn't go out. I dread to 
think. Oh, that's what I always I think, think about. And I think yeah. ge- geography and, the, and space yeah. is such If you've got a, a big luxury. family or you haven't got a big family, oh you've got a very God. small, it's incredibly hard. And you have to have some moments where you can be away from each other, however you work And I think, I think in saying and that, And say, yeah. go to your room, or if your kids are sharing a room, yeah. that you actually give them specific time where they can be on their own and yeah. where you can be on your own, even if that's going and sitting in the bloody bathroom. I tell yeah. you what, I do that sometimes in yeah. this house. I just go and sit Well, and, and I think it's really important, because I, I do, do want the listeners to realise, you know, I, I, I do very much, and I am very aware of this, very aware of this, you know, having come from incredibly tiny... Uh, accommodations when I was a child. I've, I take myself back to those situations when, I think, no of, God, when no. I think of the basement flat, no God, you know, and I think, oh my God, that would have been so untenable. So strategies I would have thought for that are, you know, if you're in a tiny space and you know you're, as the adults are going to go out and do your exercise, say to the kids, you can put your music on bloody loud, you blast can dance, your blast your music, music like we, we let them blast yeah. the music, like for yeah. washing up, they can blast the music. Absolutely. And I think it is about, because... We have got space, but we've got the sort of house where you can hear every single mm. thing in every single room, so nobody really gets any privacy. Mm. So that's why we hand over a certain amount of time when we go to the kids, blast whatever music you want mm. at whatever level. And I think that everybody... And I, fi- I think when you give that a bit to your kids, they do give it back to you as well. When you say, can I just have a bit of peace mm. and quiet? Can I just have a bit of, you know, time? Before we um, go into some of the social media, there's a lot of wonderful comments that you've 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 sent us uh, via Nadia's Instagram and we've got some great voice notes here but I just want to do what I've kind of done to myself a bit there you are an incredibly good advice giver you're an incredibly able carer of people you you know you're always compassionate and all that but in your heart when you're on your own the Nadia who isn't sort of putting out to the world the sort of strong Nadia Mm. for the sake of the kids for the sake of me for the sake of your mum and dad for everyone for the sake of people listening um, what are your real feelings when you go to the truth of where you're at around this new lockdown and less the science of it, but more the impact on our kids? Well, first of all, the impact on myself, I'm totally fine with it. I have no problem at all with lockdown and I actually feel quite a relief because actually I feel quite anxious sometimes about going out. Well, I noticed when you were out, we, a couple of galleries we've been to or places we've been to yeah. where there's public there, I've noticed you're very I, I don't want to get this virus. No, no, I, I don't, don't want to get it. You know, no, I'm not one of those that goes, oh, well, yeah, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter. I, I really don't want to get it. So I find it easier not to have the anxiety. Um, but regarding the kids, uh, especially Maddie because she has a boyfriend, mm. she's very, very sociable, she's out a lot. I'm mm. really, really worried. Mm. I'm really worried about her. Yeah. I mean, I think we are put in a very difficult situation as parents. I mean, I find myself... We've talked about this before, about when is it right to just leave your kids to their own space and not ask them too much how they're feeling and all that kind of stuff. I can't remember what the conversation was, but we did do that a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, respecting your children's privacy, for example, um, and moody teenagers... It's a really, I'm finding myself too in a very difficult situation where I wake up most mornings and I'm very nervous about checking in on the girls because I'm, I'm almost, I want to hear, but I also don't want to hear how difficult it might be for them, if I'm honest. You know, it's that thing of a parent of you want your children to be happy. It's like, and if I'm hearing nothing at this point, I can have the myth of thinking they're, <laughs> they're okay. Right. I mean, I do it with Izzy, I do it with Flo. If I don't hear for a little bit of time, I can easily throw myself into a spiral of despair. I checked, in with, I checked in with Izzy, for example. I said, what's happening in, the, in Bristol? This was in the tier system. Um, and she said, no, we're, we're, we're in our bubble. We've got our, our situation. You know, and so everyone's just kind of doing their... But, I mean, beyond the lockdown, it's just like when Maddie said to me the other day, we can't plan anything, we can't look forward to anything, and that, the longer-term implications to me are absolutely petrifying, petrifying. And I feel I'm worried about our kids' mental health, but I know that they're at an advantage because they've got two parents that talk a lot about mental health and understand it and get it and will get them therapy if they were to need it and all that stuff, and I worry about the kids that... Mm. that don't have that either because their parents just aren't plugged in in that way or because they've got there's for whatever reason I do you know I'm, I'm really, really worried worry. about I'm really really worried about a you know being a teenager is a pretty nihilistic hedonistic selfish time as it should be I'm not saying that in a pejorative sense mm. it's a time to we use this distinction a lot mm. in this household time to be carefree not careful and so you know that, that therein lies a problem I do worry that a certain nihilism is going to creep in because we've talked a lot about, the, you know, a turn towards drugs, a turn towards drinks, seeing more and more parents use drink as a means of management. 
And so I get really, if I'm really worried, and of course your children are always uh, being buffeted by the influences and lives and lifestyles of their peer group mm. and their friends. Mm. And I worry, you know, you can be pretty relatively confident about the sense and behaviour of your own children, but you can't control the influences they're going to come across. And so I do generally worry... About uh, how they're going to find A nihilistic generation yeah. of kind of what's the point? I mean, what's the point can creep in at most times as a teenager? Mm. But then you find a point. But we're in a very odd situation very culturally yeah. where the what's the point? I mean, and there's a couple of comments I've read today that I'm going to read out where they say it's very hard to plan when there is no future. So that is a real worry. So shall we hear from... Who first? Carlitos or Maddie? Let's have a look. See what comes up first on your... And I've got plenty of comments here. And, and do contact us, guys. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Mark underscore Adderley. Nadia obviously is on Nadia Swala. Uh, and uh, always drop us a line. Here we go. Um, obviously, I just want this coronavirus to go away. We all do, but it's just not as simple as that. So we have to play the cards that we're dealt. I think I have said this in a podcast before, but I think the lockdown that we've already had was kind of a practice run. So I'd have an idea of what to do if we were to go into another full lockdown. Um, but it's obviously just a shame that it's falling on the holidays where, you know, when people want to be with their family and want to celebrate and now they can't um, and people's plans are, are ruined and it's ruined Christmas for a lot of families because things are so restricted now um, when the government like announces the rules well well they've announced the rules but when when they you know set are set into place I think I'm just gonna abide by them and stick to them because it's just what the government think is best for us and they've recruited police force now to find people for breaking the rules so I think the best option is just to listen to them and to just take every precaution we can for ourselves and just to be careful you know sanitize everything wash your hands wear masks wear gloves you know just the basics I think it's just important for us to take care of ourselves um the first lockdown was so stressful for everyone, you know. There are days when I got up and I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be positive, everything's positive, everything's okay. And there are days when I got up and I'm like, it's tough, it's really hard to, you know, become motivated. And it's still like that. And when we finally had a little taste of normality, like towards the early September... It's now going back to how it was at the start of March. So, you know, I tried to take it day by day and, you know, put one foot in front of the other. And a lot of people I know kind of feel the same way. It is very challenging and you definitely go through a roller coaster of emotions. It's definitely different. You know, now you have to schedule when you go shopping and you can only go to certain places and you kind of feel like you're going to lose your head. Um, you know, I tried new things over lockdown, which is good to calm everything and try and keep myself entertained. Um, I watched a few documentaries. Did I watch Tiger King like the rest of the world? Yes. Did I finish it? No. But the news, like the news, oh my God, is not helpful really for any of us to have on, especially when all it's covering is the virus. It can really put a dim on life when right now we just really need to focus on the positives, um, which is why I just have news alerts on my phone and it just updates. It just updates me with like the headlines of the most important things because I don't want to hear the news twenty four seven and hear numbers and statistics twenty four seven. It's just it just makes you think the worst. Um, but. Yeah, it's sad. I do miss all the freedom that we did take for granted. Um, you know, lockdowns forced us to slow down and we live very busy lives. So to be able to reconnect with my family again all at once is something that I'm grateful for. So I'm trying to look at the positive. Um, if the government thinks what, like, that it's best if we go into another lockdown, so be it. I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to do what I think 
and what I feel that I need to do in order to keep myself and my loved ones safe. I think it's really important he says something there that is, you know, it's easy to have these conversations and just be overwhelmed by the sea of negativity and I've just had my rant and uh, the frustration and it's hard to sell it. The positives are that you are and we can spend more time with our children. Our children can spend more time with us. I mean, obviously, there's a negative to that because they want the problem is they want to be spending most of their time with their friends uh, doing what they want to do and, and, you know, exploiting their freedom. But if there is anything, I mean, Carlitos, again, there sort of sums it up. It's the it's being grateful for the fact that perhaps we're just going to have a few more conversations with our parents that we wouldn't have had before. We might get to know our parents as humans rather than as parents. And as parents, we might like some of the things that our kids are into. Well, I suppose the very nature of being a teen, and I know there'll be lots of teens listening to this who are not connecting at all with their parents. I yeah. mean, I used to come in from school, storm up the stairs and refuse to speak to my mum. My mum wasn't doing anything, but that's where I was at. You know, yeah. we, last week's podcast was about moody teens, um, which that's we true. actually... The last person I'd have spoken to was my mum. Exactly. So <laughs> we, we do have an unusual relationship because I think our kids are homeschooled, but a lot of... This is the period of time when you're finding it the most difficult to connect mm. or find anything, anything that you can connect on. Mm. So that's where I think this... This whole second lockdown is is a very scary prospect for a lot so of parents of, and teens. Do you think lots of parents and teens are sitting there looking at each other going, it was all right the first time, but I don't know if don't I could do this do again. again. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Thank you so much guys for all your messages we really do appreciate it um so i'm just gonna sort of fly through well, and why don't you do one and then i'll do one because i've got a load of okay um eddie clarkey says i think school should close because as soon as i was in colleges a college the cases shot up and that goes back to what we were saying it's like how do we sell this to our kids um, when 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 they they make they're coming to that conclusion? Well, I don't think they can understand, and it's very hard to convince them that it's fine to play in a play. I mean, we drove past a school the other day, and they're all in the playground, all over each other, running around. Yeah. But they're only allowed to do that at school. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. it's impossible. Uh, Liz Carroll says, "My daughter says that she feels her youth has been taken away from her." Oh God, and I they feel that too. I mean, I've said this before on the podcast, but I've spent years saying to my girls, oh, 17 was my favourite year of my life. And here we are, Maddie keeps saying, thanks for that, Mum, I'm 17, it's been the last year. Um, (laughs) Amy says, oh, Amy, I just wish I could reach through and put my arms around you. I feel worthless, trapped and like a nobody. Oh, God. Sweetheart, you know what? I don't know how old you are, um, but a lot of people don't realise that Childline is there for all ages mm. of young people and for all kinds of different problems. I really would encourage you to ring Childline if you're a child and if you are older, um, the Samaritans, and get some extra help. Also, um, check out Anxiety UK website to, um, and, and maybe if you're feeling very anxious, there might be something there for you. I've got one here from Katie Roach. You two are the first people I've heard discuss in detail how hard it is for us youngsters. Thank you. Also feels like we are wasting our best years with little sympathy from adults. Sweetie. Well, Well, that's why we do sort of emphasise it. It's mm. not about, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some people out there who think, God, you keep going on about the youngsters. It's partly because I'm sick and tired of hearing them criticised all the time. I know, know? like it's their fault. They're spreading it. They're doing it. I just think it's been brutal. I know it feels like you're wasting your youth and I can't argue with that. I would feel that if I was your age. But... We will come through this and you are going to be the kids of 2020 Mm. and that is going to be a badge of honour. You are going to have gone through something rather like when you hear, you know, your 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 grandparents' stories. Yeah, and this, and you will get these, you will get Mm. some of this back. Nobody can give you back your 17th year, like we say to Maddie, we can't ever give you that back. And like many of, you know, it's Maddie's 18th on Christmas Day, God knows what that'll be like. But, 
Yeah, it's brutal. Mm. It's that bad. Uh, Susie says here, COVID app has just told me to isolate for eight days. I've not used the app in two weeks and I haven't been anywhere. This is The reason I, I wanted to read this out was this is another problem when we're trying to say to our kids, this is more towards the parents that are listening, to stick to the rules and do this and do all that. And then this kind of mess up is going mm. on. Mm. And it's really, really hard, isn't it? Again, well, I would say the government have tied our parents' to hands behind well, their Well, they've made it impossible to parent. I mean, and that's, that's the problem. It's hard enough enacting rules or justifying rules. But when you're presented with such illogicality everywhere, you know, all teenagers and all youngsters are like rats up a drainpipe, and I mean that in the nicest possible use of the kind of analogy, uh, looking for opportunities to do what it is they want to mm. do. So they can smell a rat literally everywhere mm. with this because there are so many rats to smell. Eleanor Zulio, uh, I keep dreaming of huge crowds and social events, and Rob Maddie has forever been sort of... You know, you get these on your smartphones, you get these anniversary photos that pop up, don't they, telling you where you've been last year. I think they need to probably stop that this year because all it's I doing really is rubbing really it salt in everyone's people. wounds. I don't think they should do it. Yeah. I keep getting them and it's upsetting me, so God knows what it's like for kids. Mm. Um, CMC says here, I have no idea how I'm going to get through this one day at a time. Well, you use well, a recovery sentence there. It, yeah. I mean, I, I would fully advise that, I mean, and what I try to do with the girls without saying to them, use AA or 12-step recovery or anything. There are lots of really great tips and tactics of handing over, you know, uh, control, accepting that you're powerless. I mean, when a government says to you, you mustn't do this, you, you've got an opportunity to, certainly as a youngster, to say, OK, I'm powerless over this. I can't control this. This is, I'm being told to do this, you know. Um and, you know, it's kind of, you know, and, and, and just sort of being fearlessly honest with yourself and just sort of saying, OK, well, why do I want to do that? Why am I doing this? Perhaps I need to do this for someone else. Thinking of others, being of service is something else that comes from 12-step recovery, and, trying to do things for other people. And also, you know, it's really, really important. Mark and I bang on about this a lot on all our social medias. You must get out into nature. Mm. You absolutely must. Hug a tree. You know, we are allowed this time to be out as much as we want. You know, if I could work, walk all day today, I would walk all day today. You know, if you're somebody that hasn't got a lot of responsibilities and things you've got to do, then um, take that time and, and get out and walk. I think it's one of the most healing things is just, oh, my God, it's like the weight comes off my shoulders. Have a, If that's not for you, you know, um, our girls use a great YouTube channel, Adrienne with Yoga, and she's great for all kinds of people because she's really accessible. And maybe she's got some really simple uh, meditations. I used one today, meditation for studying. Actually, it's not for studying, it's for anything. She might not be right for you, but start. Go and have a look at her and then somebody, you might think, oh, I kind of like her, but oh, but I think I'm looking for something different. Try and find an exercise that you love. If it's just putting your headphones on and dancing like a maniac in the bathroom away from everybody else, I do it in the laundry room. That really helps. Movement is extremely important. I don't know. You might be in a wheelchair. I don't know. But still, even online, there are, there are lots of films for people in wheelchairs. Movement and nature are incredibly important for your mental health. But can I also say, I mean, it goes back to what I was just saying a minute ago about being of service to other people. Teenagers, I don't want parents, their parents are probably thinking, oh, for God's sake, I know, yeah, it's bad for the teenagers, bad for the teenagers, but we're all living together and it's bad for all of us. Something that teens, any young, young adult listeners listening to this, you know, think outside the box and think about how you can ease the burden sometimes for your parents too. Because... Actually doing something for your parents, making them a cup of tea when they least expect it, uh, doing the washing up because they've cooked you dinner and something like that. You know, all those things. It's not about, oh, yes, oh, God, why do I have to do that? You're all, we're all pulling together and actually doing those small acts of kindness. Those small acts of kindness will make you feel better about yourself because I promise you it'll, it'll elicit a positive response from your parents too. It's that thing of, yes, you're a teenager. Yes, everything feels worse for you than it is for most people. And yes, as a generation, this is true. But there are also ways of making yourself feel better about yourself by doing little bits and bobs for other people. Uh, I just wanted to quickly read this one as well from Paigey. Uh, 94, I'm feeling torn. I want to protect my family, but I also don't want to waste my 20s. And I thought that was really mm. uh, poignant because, you know, I've got two daughters that are in their 20s, 27 and 22, 20, yeah. And, you know, I've got huge compassion for the fact that when you're in your 20s, 
it's a weird place because you still feel like a child. You still feel new to this shit. You're finding your feet. You're finding your way. And we often say about ourselves, we're just adult children trying to be parents. But actually, you know, I want 20-somethings to know that we're thinking of you because mm. you're laying all the foundations of your mm. future now. And Starting that's incredibly difficult. I got a message from Fleur saying, Dad, it's so bleak. It's bleak. It's, and it really it's, is. It's it really, just about teams. And to go it's, back again to the parents, it's okay to all sit together and say, this is really bleak. Yeah. Because trying to pretend it's not actually can cause a lot of stress. Um, Francisca, who's a big um, part of our... Uh, very present in our community here on, on YouTube, says, my little cousin Mariana just started uni. I never got to say good... and never got to say goodbye, goodbye to high school. Um, friends other than in exams, and is now starting uni with a distance. Sorry, this is covering over a couple of um, different uh, messages. Um, her learning, uh, she's very frustrated with her learning, demotivated. She'd give up uni, but there's no jobs. Well, I mean, I think that just, mm. just encompasses how millions of young students are feeling across the world and... I feel heartbroken for them, absolutely heartbroken. We have the added horror in this country that they are also paying £9,000. A year. A year. Okay. For a couple of often Zoom <laughs> lessons. So how do you support somebody like that? I think that we just have to say that there are really good advancements with uh, treatment... Um, that we are learning a lot. We know so much more in the second lockdown than we did in the first and the way this virus is working. It will. I really, really believe that come spring, it's going to be very, very different. The world yeah. is going to be very, very different. And I suppose we just have to keep saying that to them. Yeah. This is going to be hard. It's going to be super mm. tough. It's probably going to be the toughest, one of the toughest things you'll face, but you will get through it one day at a time. Mm. A couple of quickies I'll just read through. Krista V. Ricks, you're another part of our community. Like, like I feel like I'm walking on a glass bridge that cracks with each step. It's a oh, very vivid image. beautifully put. Um, Izzy Hastings, I'm 24 so not sure if I count. I, see, that's what breaks my heart. Of yes, course you, you count. Do I'm count. feeling crushed and trapped. Can't see my boyfriend until after lockdown. Uh, Sal Wills, five. My daughter is devastated, hates school and relies on dancing to keep sane. Oh, and, don't. You know, and oh, that, God. that physical element, you know, this will be the case for a lot of kids that do sport. I mean, I'm feeling it and I use London culturally massively. Uh, part of work and part of, you know, leisure. And, and it's a, you know, I'm realising now after seven months what a huge part of me that is. So a huge part of our kids is, of course, their passions and their, their physical activity. So it's just hideous. Yeah. Um, I want to read from here one, another one of Carlitos's friends who has messaged us, Rosie Whitehead. The second lockdown isn't feeling too bad because we've been through it once already. Of course, I'll be obeying the rules as I'm around vulnerable people. You see? You see? It's well, it's so interesting hard. as Margot who says having the constant burden on your shoulders that if you go out, you're putting yeah. your family at risk. However, I really don't understand the logic behind all the precautions. Society doesn't know the ins and outs of everything to do with COVID. The government know much more. So in my opinion, it's much easier and safer to just go along, along with what they say. The first lockdown, I think, took a toll on a lot of people for the worst because it was so unexpected. Thankfully, everyone should be much more prepared and have an idea of what it will be like this time round. I think schools being open will help a lot of teenagers with their mental health this time as they're still able to have a social life. And that's, that's very important. Mm. We have to understand that for so many kids... Of course, it's very important that they're still going to school because they didn't want to be stuck in the no. house with their, with their families. No. Our argument about school isn't about that because we understand the mental health benefits of it. It's just it feels very difficult, mm -hmm. the lockdown, if, if, we, if it's not a proper lockdown where we're not spreading. Absolutely. We've got one more message, and that's from our dear daughter, Maddie. So let's hear from Maddie. Maddie, who's 17, in case it's the first time listening to this podcast. So, obviously, um, it's quite depressing. <laughs> uh, another lockdown happening. Um, I think for everyone my age as well, it's just kind of a real... Well, for everybody. But it's just a real... 
I don't know, downer, because, you know, we were kind of promised that there would never be another national lockdown. And, yeah, I just find it quite... I don't know, it's just very... I think it just kind of stops everyone from feeling like they're kind of getting their life back together and it just stops any type of motivation because it's just like, oh, there's nothing going on, you know, lockdown's happening again, everybody's going to be inside, what's the point in doing anything? Um, And I'm really worried about what the second lockdown's going to do for people's mental health because the first one wasn't good for it. And I feel like people just kind of getting back to normal, just getting kind of, well, happy again. And I think this lockdown might knock a lot of people again, and this time a lot harder than before. Um, And although they're saying that, you know, they can't extend this lockdown and it has to finish on the 2nd of December, uh, you can see why people don't believe that, because last lockdown, you know, it was always, oh, it's two weeks, it's going to be just two weeks, and it ended up being three months. So, I don't know, I just, I feel like this lockdown's going to be... I mean, it's very, de- it's very depressing that another lockdown's happening, but I just don't think that this one's going to really work because people don't trust the government anymore and they're sick and tired of being, first of all, lied to, second of all, sick and tired of them not knowing what they're doing and kind of just telling us what to do without even knowing if what we're doing is going to help. Um, so, yeah, I think that not people just aren't really going to stick to this lockdown. I think that the first, maybe like the first few days, maybe the first week, people will. But, I mean, from what I've heard from people I know, nobody's really planning on sticking to it because they just don't see how it's going to help. They can't really sacrifice their mental health a second time like that. Um... And I think also the reason why people are really angry with this lockdown is the fact that they're, you know, everything about it is like a normal lockdown apart from the fact that they're not closing schools and unis when uh, the cases rise after schools went back. And I just think that if you're going to do a lockdown, I don't think they should, if you're going to do a lockdown, they just need to do a real, really strict two-week one with no schools, no unis no anything like they did in March and just a short strict one rather than this month this one for a month that's kind of like laid back in a bit like you know oh like staying if you want to but you don't have to and you know go to school but don't go to see friends it's just it's so confusing and it's so like yeah I don't know the what it's just I feel like people are just going to be so um, tired of how inconsistent the rules and the, you know, kind of facts are of all of the of of it all. Um, but yeah, I think that this this thought of a second lockdown is really depressing for me and really depressing for everyone. But I don't think that it's going to be like the last lockdown. It's not going to be as strict. It's probably going to be strict for the first week. And the police are probably going to enforce everything they're saying to. They're going to do. But then, after this week, I'm pretty sure everybody's going to be back to normal. Because if everybody doesn't stick to the rules, then what can they do? Do you know what I mean? Um, And, but yeah, I, I am really worried about people's mental health. A lot of my friends I'm really worried about. Worried about my own. Because <laughs> I just think... Because, like, even, even though, like, obviously I don't mind, like, the actual thing of being in the house and being with my family, like, that's fine. It's kind of just more the fact that I know I can't go out. I know I can't see friends. Um, the fact that, that there's going to be so little motivation during lockdown to do anything. Um, and that, I don't know, and I'm also worried about my friends' mental health as well which I feel like will affect mine. And, yeah, and I just wish... that. To, to be honest, the main thing I wish was just that the government had more recognition for mental health. I just don't feel like people care about it at all, and it's not even seen as an issue at the moment. 
Um, and that definitely scares me because people have bad mental health in the first place and then don't feel like anybody's there to look after them and make sure they're okay, then that's really dangerous. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> if you couldn't tell, I'm not happy about another lockdown. That's this interesting really, point she makes yeah. there, actually, that we hadn't, which is which we hadn't talked about, was she said, I don't believe them anymore because they... And that's very, very difficult for mm. all of us, isn't it? That they're saying it's the second or the fourth or whatever it is, but people aren't going to believe that. And that's a big, mm. that's a big issue mm. um, for, for all of us. And I, I thought what she said, which was particularly astute, was the fact that her friend's mental health impacts her mental health. So I think we have to really understand that just as you can have sort of bad influence from friends and peer mm. groups and everything, there's also a collective sort of empathetic connection mm. between a lot of these mm. youngsters. You know, you often hear these terrible stories in the past where, you know, a mental health problem can sort of almost create this sort of group sort of psychology. Mm. I think it's really important that, especially in this little interim between the first lockdown and this new lockdown where they've all been able to intensely kind of get back together for a bit, they've been able to reconnect, they've been able to mm. talk, they've been able to overcome those sort of social awkwardness that a lot of them were talking and, and worried about in the first lockdown. They've rebuilt those connections, they've re rebuilt those sort of empathetic sort of channels of connection and now they're all plugged into each other within the context of this crisis if you like and I think it's really important to think about that that you know if Maddie or Kiki or Fleur or Izzy all of their friends are on an absolute downward spiral that's going to pull them down too regardless as she rightly says of what the situation is at home she doesn't mind being at home and I'm sure a lot of kids feel this but she does mind not being told she can't be anywhere else mm. it's two different things isn't it and, you know, just going back to what you were saying earlier about how do we actually feel, just listening to her again, and actually I feel, from a parent's point of view, I do feel exhausted mm. at the thought of trying to keep everybody happy again, like we did in the first lockdown, you know, we did all the... I don't know, we, did, we, we were on alert the whole time to make mm. sure they were happy, you know, mm. whether we're giving them lovely meals, whether we're trying to think of something positive to say or whether you're acting the fool or whether... We were really mm. on full tiptoes the whole time mm. just and worrying about their mental health, worrying about their mental health. Oh, I'm starting to worry about my own mental health. Well, you know, I, think, I don't know yeah. how much more I can take about yeah. worrying about everyone else's mental health. No, 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 of course. <laughs> well, and she uses the analogy of a boxer. It's a body blow. Yeah, I, and know, so what she's saying actually is making me think about myself and yeah. thinking I actually don't think that much about my mental mm. health, but I am more and more now because I feel a lot of the time I'm hanging on by my own fingernails as mm. well. So I think, yeah, shout out to all of us as parents because it's bloody, bloody hard. Well, I can say from me to you that you're doing a remarkably good job. Mm. Well, I wish I Under extraordinarily difficult circumstances. Mm. It's easy for me to play the fool a lot, but, we're, you know, you're doing a good job. <sighs> all right, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Thank thanks you, for all parents. Your contributions. Thank you for young people mm. who've been in touch. Um, we really, really appreciate mm. your the insight that you've given to us on how, how it's how it's And we how hope this feeling. is we hope this is helpful and cathartic for you. Speak to you next week, guys. Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye! <laughs>